0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 74 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2010 European Grand Prix from Valencia, Spain. I'm Jim Lau.
1: Oh, and I'm Robin Warner. We have a great show for you today. It's a long one. Because you waited, we thought we'd give you a little bit extra. We're going to talk about things that have happened since the last show, like Pirelli getting the tire contract and not spoil Spoiler alert. Oh, Hello. Ah, ooh, I mean, nothing. And then we're going to go on and talk about uh, Hamilton's result, Vettel's result, and all the other cool stuff that goes on. And, of course, listener feedback, predictions, trivia. It's all coming up. And now for the News. i'm sorry about that sorry okay so the big thing i think that we want to talk about the most no it's okay jim stop looking at me like that pirelli is officially on board they're going to be doing tires next year it is not michelin tire it is not bridgestone anymore it is going to be italian pirelli tires on the car
0: yeah and i think it's cool that finally that's been decided on uh, just after the race in montreal where tires were such a big factor and i think it puts a little different flavor to the conversations about all oh, what the tire should be about and what makes for a good f1 tire because um it's easy for them to say oh we can build it really strong so they'll last forever and that'll be great uh but Wow! Look how exciting that race was because there were some tires and that right, added to the right, strategy and all right. that. And we even had some of that in this race coming up that we'll I talk about. I think there's when we definitely
1: there. such thing as too much of a good thing when it comes to being tire supplier, at, uh, Formula One for sure. Um, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I, now, does this mean that we're also officially on board for 18-inch wheels to go no. with these tires? No, that
0: was a different thing. And actually, Michelin I think wanted that a lot. I and actually talked to some of the. Uh, High up motorsport people at Michelin, uh, and first of all, their interest. Now, how in the world did you talk to them? Uh, I was working for work when I was in. I was at the Michelin proving grounds in South Carolina. But anyway, asking okay. them about the F one tire situation. You, you need to tell me these things. No, it's it's fun when it happens on the show. Uh, um, then I can get. I so, have more time to get jealous. Oh, okay, fair enough. Right. But um, for them, you know when you know they don't make money supplying tires to to f1 you know no one does it's it's all promotion and it's it's you know sponsorship value and all that but you know they don't they don't sell the tires to the teams at a profit it takes so sure. much engineering sure. and so much and especially probably cost them money I mean, back I yeah think, exactly yeah. In, in the uh, tire competition days when there were multiple suppliers you know they would have you know special constructions they'd be made just at the last minute to try to suit the right weather patterns and different ones for different cars and all this stuff and um but the idea when there were manufacturers you know major auto manufacturers involved in the sport um and, and of course years ago it was what Honda and Toyota and BMW obviously Ferrari still but right. you know lots uh and you know Renault and whatever but but lots of manufacturers um and that was a big source of sort of partnership and business for Michelin because of you know if Yeah they,
1: I mean the Ferrari partnership with Bridgestone yeah, it's incredible.
0: Right. And, uh, and so, you know, when there's a chance to partner up with a major manufacturer like that, then that's exciting and that's potential for a business, whatever, for Michelin to make money now that it's all privateer teams and there's not, I mean, it's not like, you know, Hispania racing is going to start buying, you know, millions of tires from, you know, from Michelin now to go put on their road cars or whatever, cause there's no such thing. Um, it's a lot less exciting. So it's an interesting side effect of the way, you know, the, the way F1 has shifted back to being sort of these smaller constructors, uh, and, right. and all that. Right. So, um, Pirelli apparently, you know, sees uh, promotional value in being able to do this and uh, have their tires and their logos out in front of everybody and in doing that. And uh I mean, I think that'll be interesting. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see how the actual tires come together, but I think it's good that uh, they, you know, they've made the decision. Finally, they can start doing test fittings and, and you know, right, engineering right. the car around the new set of tires. But that also that this, you know, the race in Canada will be sort of taken into account when they decide exactly how that tire is going to come together.
1: Definitely, I hope so. And uh, it'll be interesting too because the last time I've seen uh, the Pirellis in a really serious racing format was World Rally Championship on the Subarus. Yeah, and it was less than great. Hmm. I mean, that was. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been following it as much this year or last year quite as much, but. In the last, you know, three or four years, for sure, Pirelli was struggling behind, yeah, uh, Michelin, for sure. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, if these cars end up being slower or, or you know, what happens there. Oh. Somebody tells me that it'll be fine. But Yeah, and everyone, of course, so it'll still
0: be a level playing field because it'll be 100% Pirelli. And there's, I think, still even an argument you could have whether that's better or worse. I think having the tire wars is an interesting added factor, um, although it also it's harder to tell, you know, whether it's right. car, driver, right. exactly. tires, whatever. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, the other thing is uh, the Ferrari, Ford, GM, Chevy, Pontiac, um, Lotus... Uh, BMW Sauber Ferrari is going to get to change its name.
0: Yes, finally. And I don't know who this, you know, it's so, so, okay, so officially Sauber is BMW Sauber Ferrari, even though they have nothing to do with BMW since the end of last year. Uh, but and it just sounds
1: wrong. But it because, just sounds yeah, r-
0: silly. But because you know the team was officially already had lodged their entry as BMW Sauber, and then they changed it, and for somehow the TV rights or whatever. It's but what a stupid thing because like who loses if they change if they take the that, BMW? That's what like, I don't
1: get. That that's what I do not get. I mean, Somebody with some motocom of power is just holding on to it because it makes no sense for anybody. BMW doesn't want to be tied to the name. Sauber doesn't want BMW's name. Ferrari, I'm sure, doesn't want BMW to be part of the name. It doesn't make sense for anybody. It just sounds stupid. The fans don't get it. Like, introducing new fans, they won't get it. You know, it doesn't make any sense for anybody.
0: Right. And so I I said, okay, finally, you know, logic prevails. It'll just be called Sauber or Sauber Ferrari or whatever, but it starts next year. Yep. So for the the second half of of, uh, 2010, it'll still be BMW, Sauber, Ferrari, Ford, Jaguar, Lemon.
1: Hooray! And finally, the other thing uh, that we've been seen on the news is that they are reinstating the 100% qualifying rule
0: 107% what did i say 100% yeah everyone has to be really hard
1: no it's 107% uh qualifying rule and uh we don't think that'll make much of a difference
0: which means that everyone's lap time that the slowest car's lap time or i guess to qualify for the race and actually and actually go and race on sunday your lap time has to be uh within you know 107 percent of the pole position lap time so that if you're really really slow and off the pace you actually don't get to race and i've never seen that in my lifetime um i think you know they had back you know what back ages ago yeah um, early 2000s that was going on with minorities and stuff but i don't
1: think they ever failed
0: right qualify. so i i've never i mean i that that would be crazy for me and and actually you know all the cars this weekend would have would have fit in that within 107 so even if there's faster and slower cars um that's pretty slow when you when you actually break down what the lap time is and how much slower you can be so
1: yeah no i mean i think uh hrt probably might have failed the first race or two yeah um, of this season but Aside from that.
0: And so we're, it probably won't make much of a difference, but the times that it does make a difference, is that really going to be better? Because, you know, yeah, HRT may have failed and maybe their car wouldn't be up to at least the pace it is now if they hadn't been able to raise that time and make that development. So it's, it's tough. uh, It's a tough call because you don't want, you know, the, necessarily the junior league and the in the in the proper cars and all that, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know everybody's got to be safe. So uh, either way, it's back. Uh, is that effective immediately? Do we think? I think so. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, so, I thought um, it was effective. So, so that'll Britain. be that'll be really interesting to see if if some car actually or, or cars don't make it into the race. Uh, that's that's not not something I've seen in F one before. So that's that'll be wild. Definitely. So the culture of Valencia, well, I guess it should be Europe as it's the European Grand Prix. We yeah, already did Spain. Which I guess
1: in that sense, well, no, we still missed it. Yeah.
0: But we tried. Yeah. So we tried to get paella. Should up. we
1: tell them the whole saga? Maybe I can give them the, uh, bridged version of, uh, the abridged version of what happened. Sure. Okay. So we went to an Italian place because I thought this Italian place had Spanish food paella. Turns out they didn't, and they also didn't have service because we sat down at the table, and then nothing happened. So we ended up leaving and got burritos, which is okay because the Spanish conquered Mexico, which is where burritos are from. So we
0: handled it. We just went, you know. We went a little, circumnavigated the globe a little bit, a little conquering action and all that. But we made it work kind of. But, hey, frankly, when we don't have the uh, – when it's not a race weekend and yeah. we sort of have the time and the whole day to do that, you know, we, uh, we got to do what we got to do. So there's yeah. not a whole lot of the taste of this race. But we really went overboard on the flavor of the race last time with the whole going to Canada. Well, you, you nailed it. So I think we're going to let this one slide.
1: Yes, and that leads us to Friday practice. And, man, was that a barnstormer, wasn't it, Jim? Why don't you say so? You tell us. Because I actually watched practice. So there I was, was at a wedding.
0: <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, the biggest thing that uh, I had that I made notes on was just uh, near the end of uh, I think it was uh, the second practice session on uh, on Friday. Uh, you know there was this Hamilton Schumacher near miss. I mean this 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 track um, it's got what, like 27 corners or something. I mean it's it's ridiculous. There's lots of like little bends that if you call each one a corner, which they do, um, it's it's you know pretty low visibility because everything is a wall. There's not right. many flowing sections to it. And, yeah. uh, and so you'd end up with, yeah, like, you know, Schumacher was just backing off because this is right before start finish to, uh, you know, just get some space, set a hot lap, do whatever. And uh, every, you know, just about every corner you're coming around is, is a blind corner, or whatever. So Hamilton, um, it wasn't a, that much of a near miss, but I think Hamilton kind of, you know drove Schumacher's off, off off to the edge of the wall or you know, near the wall or whatever, just to kind of prove the point of like, hey, dude, you're still on the line. You can't go all slow, whatever. Just kind of it, – it didn't materialize into uh, necessarily anything. Uh, they were sort of like, oh, this could be something we see a lot of and maybe this rivalry will come back and whatever. But um, no, it no, didn't that. really happen. Um, the one thing I, I heard about, and
1: we'll get into this more, is that the uh, Mercedes cars were actually quite quick on Friday. Hmm. Is that true?
0: I don't remember. Okay. I think it was. All right, so did you have a chance to watch qualifying when you were away on your wedding, friend's wedding weekend? I No, I, I watched it when I came home. Oh, okay. But I did watch it, and I did enjoy it, and I am ready to talk about it. Okay, so Wait. Q1, Schumacher nearly didn't make it out of Q1. That was ridiculous. And it was until after the checkered flag came out that he you know, had a lap that was enough to get him out of Q2, but that was... I mean, that was like close. It's like you know that because he did poorly uh, in in Canada. I mean, he was thirteenth, I think, in right, in, in Montreal. Right. And uh, and then you know if after after all that and being Michael Schumacher and everything else, right? Um, but it was interesting because this is uh, this is a track he's never raced at. Uh, you know, That's it's true. It's newer than his comeback to F one. So. Uh, it's, or it started as soon as he right. left after one, right. or whatever. Right. Uh, so it's soon. actually you know it's actually his his first outing on this track, and it's sort really of interesting to see like as a as a you know does he just remember all these old tracks really well and sort of know their secrets and know how to get the pace there, or is he just really good at relearning stuff or whatever? And uh, his qualifying pace. Right. Was, I mean, there, was not, there's
1: there's no doubt that learning the track for the first time was somewhat of a hindrance. I would think that that might cost him a couple of tens here or there, um, but. So the Mercedes sucks. But, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing that I thought was most funny to me about him almost being out in Q1 is as he was going through after the checkered flag, it was like, oh, this is classic Schumacher right here. I'm like, he's trying to survive. This isn't classic this is Schumacher. This isn't for the win
0: here. This is for t- to get, you know, yeah, in the, in the top 17 or whatever. Right, right, right. Uh, so Which, yeah, the Mer- I mean, hmm? yeah, go ahead. The Mercedes cars ended up qualifying 12th and 15th. Right, so I, even and that's
1: exactly what I was going to say. is just go, the cars were bad. Kubica wasn't much better, uh, and uh, M- M- Michael tried just as hard in Q two. Rosberg, did I what did I say?
0: Kubica, man, Kubica did do well. I was just Kubica say, did don't... do
1: well. Okay, no, Rosberg struggled. He didn't do much better than uh, uh, Michael. And it, it is Michael, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Michael tried again right after the checkered flag in Q two, just like he was doing before, to get that you know get that lap in, and he was nowhere close. Nowhere close. Yeah, those cars just need some development work or something. Well, and I thought they were, had an upgrade coming to Valencia. That's what scares me. And then the thing I the thing they said in qualifying is that uh they were quick on Friday practice and they were testing a either an F duct or the exhaust yeah, they the power diffuser. diffuser, yeah. Yeah. And but that it wasn't on the car
0: for Saturday and Sunday. That that was one thought. Hmm. But um, yeah, other than that, it was. So it may come back in England. We'll have to see. Obviously, the German Grand Prix. That's going to be big for Schumacher fans that haven't seen him in years yeah. and all that. But but then the flip side of that was Williams. Yeah, Williams had a great uh, great qualifying. Both into Q three, uh, ended up eighth and ninth for the for the start. And also, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Kubica did some really good early uh, really good laps early on. And I was sort of. You know, hoping he's always kind of one of my like, you know, it'd be really good to see him do well in the car that shouldn't do that well for him to really, yeah. you know, like a, pull a Monaco again and, uh, he and get up seems there. But to
1: get lightning laps in in the earlier part of Q three, but then can't answer yeah. when the other guys catch up.
0: And then and then actually Hamilton um, was looking, you know, looking pretty good in in Q three and uh, actually had his his what would have been his fast lap had a couple, you know, one sort of. Minor accident, uh, not? you know, minor just kind of slide, lost a little bit of time. Then he was just pushing way hard and had a pretty big moment yeah. uh, and then just aborted the lap after that. He said, hey, you know, he had already set a pretty good lap. And uh, but so we figured he'd, uh, he'd you know, shuffle down in the order. He'd end up like sixth or something, but actually stayed third. Uh, yeah. you know, So uh-huh. his, his uh-huh. earlier lap was good enough to hold on to that, which was uh, which was great for him, even after having a big moment on what would have been his uh, his his fast lap. But the Red Bulls, yeah. I mean,
1: one, two again, this time battle to, on like, top. And Vettel had a good, what, two tenths over Weber this time? Or at least, no, it was a tenth. He had a tenth on Weber. And, I mean, very, very, It's very like quick.
0: every weekend and, you know, the Friday, oh, the, the McLarens are fast or the Ferraris or whatever. You know, these guys are looking good. Those guys are looking good. And then at the end of Q3, Red Bull's like, oh, yeah, let's let's use all the engine power now. Or something, you know, they're like, yeah. let's just, let's actually drive this car really, really fast. And then just set one of these blinding laps. So, the yeah, Red Bull one two in qualifying. Yeah, uh, and like, I think
1: also part of it, uh, I mean, we've talked about this. Before in the past, I think both Weber and Vettel are very good qualifiers. They yeah. are very good at doing that single lap, maximize the tires type of thing. I I think that's
0: both their strong suits. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and actually, Fernando Alonso in fourth, uh, just you know, just after Hamilton. So uh, you know, yeah, he'll screw that up. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Already.
1: When a race builds a reputation of being boring, what is the best remedy? Apparently sending the circus to town. Because that way we can see the stunning acrobatics of the Australian flying trapeze. Without the trapeze part. Or the on-purpose part. Yes, Mark Webber pizzaed when he should have french fried (laughs) and launched his Red Bull off the back of Heike Kovalainen's Lotus like a 12-year-old pedaling a BMX off a homemade ramp. Webber flipped, hit a sign, then landed on the wheels in just enough time to slam into the wall. Thankfully, the only thing injured was Weber's chances in the championship. But perhaps even more miraculous is that even neglecting Weber's headline-grabbing accident, Valencia was not an entirely boring race. Vettel, while never really challenged for the lead, was kept on his toes by Hamilton's pace. Furthermore, this was true both before and after the McLaren driver received a drive-through penalty for passing the pace car under yellow, doing so without losing any position. We also saw Kobayashi successfully keep Jensen Button at bay for nearly 50 laps before he finally took his one and only pit stop. Kobayashi then went on to pass Alonso and Buemi during the final laps to secure 7th. But like we said, this all happened behind Sebastian Vettel as he went on to win the European Grand Prix. Behind him came both McLarens, Hamilton leading Button, followed by, believe it or not, Rubens Barrichello in the Williams who grabbed fourth place. Fifth place went to the always quick Robert Kubica in his Bumblebee Renault. Three seconds later, Mr. Sutil snagged sixth. All the passing and holding up Kobayashi did granted the Japanese seventh. This forced Alonso to accept eighth in his Ferrari Red Ferrari. Sebastian Buemi managed ninth for Toro Rosso, leaving tenth place for the aging Mercedes, piloted by Nico Rosberg. And Michael Schumacher is old. Jim. Is Vettel back, or did he
0: never leave yeah, I think they 're back to their qualifying performance, I, obviously having a one two in uh, in qualifying, but they 've got you know their their blown diffuser going they 're saying we don 't you know we 'll try an f duck, but hey we, we don 't even need that um, well, they have
1: the f duck now
0: too they they 're just like they 're they're, they're back and and going, and I think yeah you know Vettel is still at the top of the heap, but I think uh, you know starting from England and, and onwards, I think McLaren is so close now and with their upgrades, uh, I think McLaren, you know, could, could overtake that spot and we could see a nice string of McLaren poles and all that. And I think it's uh, it's going to be a good battle because, you know, it's, we're getting to that mid uh, uh where, you know, the Jensen button slash Braun dominance was like, oh, these guys are unstoppable and we need to stop predicting who wins just because right, it's always right. going to be was Jensen. The,
1: that was the predicting 13th. That's e- where that exactly. came from. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I think this could be sort of that same turning point where, like, yes, they've been on top, they've been able to stay on top, and the question is how much longer they'll be there, I think. But uh, it is good to see them you know, still continuing to do well.
1: But, see, now, they argued that Valencia should not be a strong track for them because it's a little bit more like Canada, and that doesn't tend to be their strong suits. and yet they were still pole and they still won the race. So and I think they- the argument is that the Britain— you know, Silverstone is going to be a little bit more suited to their car.
0: Yeah, and even McLaren works were surprised by their pace because they said, Oh yeah, we don't have our upgrades yet, and these guys do, so they've you know, everyone else has improved their car and we haven't, so we're not gonna do that well. Oh look, we're third. I mean it's you yeah, know Yeah. It it kinda goes both ways and I guess maybe these guys ought to be all better at predicting what's gonna happen with their cars <laughs> or, or whatever. But uh I mean, yeah, so we actually didn't see much of Vettel. uh, He was, you know, led, uh, you know, was out there leading, and then, you know, through pit stops and whatever, got back, you know, basically stayed in the lead the whole time. I think, yeah,
1: because of the pit stops, I don't think he ever lost the lead.
0: Yeah, he may not have done. And, um, but, you know, so the the real excitement was with his teammate. Um, So, I mean, we mentioned this in the race report, but it's... You know, really something we got to talk about is this uh, massive crash for Mark Webber. Right, right. Um, and we saw lots of different angles on it. I mean, there were some good camera angles. We said the onboards and all that stuff. The,
1: the onboard was, was something. The onboard you know was what I mean? wild
0: because it's like you're going, there's <laughs> like, kind of this. this it, so, what it looked like to, to to me, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the uh, kind of this nervous, uh, like from from his Kova line and the Lotus in front of him, um, not really sure, like, am I going to get out of the way? Am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that way? Are you going to take the outside? Am I going to, you know, just kind of. In, and this right. whole he thing happened. Middle, in, he you know, was middle half of the track, or whatever. He was yeah. middle
1: of the track, and there was a hesitation and a bit of a swerve to say, "Do I go left or do I go right?" hecky he was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and he did, but then he lifted, and when he lifted, uh, Weber was still right behind him, and that's what caused the melee. And the thing is, is, uh, and I was happy to see this is that Weber was never upset at Kovalainen about it. He says, "I know Kovalainen was just trying to do the right thing." And that's uh, how it went down. Um, Now, there's been some interesting conversations that have come from this, and we might get to that in a second. But um, the most amazing thing to me was not the flip itself, but afterwards. He was still screaming fast when he went into the wall, into the tire wall. Mm -hmm. And he was totally fine. I was just, I was very happy to see that and very impressed with that. Um, But also surprised because he had a ton of speed.
0: Yeah, and so it was, it kind of, it looked like, you know, flipped over, obviously the whole car went airborne, actually hit a sign above the track, and as we were talking about earlier too, like, it's a good thing that wasn't a more rigid structure, because that in itself could have caused a lot of problems, I mean, they probably don't think about all that much about the signs above the track being a possible crash structure, as it happened, this one. They need some of that foam padding. Yeah, deformed (laughs) pretty easily, so it uh, it was not a big problem, but if that were... Uh, you know, some like one of the, you know, like the pedestrian bridges obviously aren't, aren't really put in those positions, but you know, one of those uh, structures that's got the safety lights on it and stuff, and right, right. ironic if it were safety equipment that ended up causing problems, but quite uh, that, you know, it crashed into the sign, but then yeah, it looks like, you know, kind of uh, hit the ground on the top of the car with a roll bar and then kind of flipped over and ended up on its wheels, but. Yeah, there was a lot of speed uh, to that whole thing and, you know, got into the tires pretty fast. So we were all excited to see as soon as he, you know, tossed the steering wheel out of the car, we're like, okay, he's obviously conscious and all that and just toss the wheel. He's even got, a, you know, his Mark Webber attitude yeah. and pretty much, you know, got up out of the car and was just like, all right, well, that sucked, but hey, I'm okay. So yeah, luckily no no injuries there. And that's that's the main thing. And I mean, he has made some comments, uh, Mark Webber has about, you know, he was surprised to see an F1 car break that early, you know, just as kind of like, it's not really, ho- you know that, kovalainen made some bad move or whatever but it's like wow these cars are way slower than ours and you know work very differently from
1: from everything i could see it didn't seem like he was braking early it seemed like he was lifting to let mark by
0: yeah maybe i'm wrong i think i think it was when kovalainen was actually going to break for the corner but it's it's hard to tell me there was there was a tiny little dive in the car and then impact and it's hard to say oh he, he
1: obviously decelerated yeah there's there's no doubt that he decelerated to me it looked like a lift um, maybe, maybe it was breaking and, you know, that that's possible, but I don't know.
0: At any rate, it was, yeah, a spectacular crash. Um, you know, ended, ended the, the race for both of those guys, obviously. And then there was a safety car period and a fairly long one and the safety car and and the you know ensuing pit stops and all that actually was what sort of mixed up the uh, the early action and and I guess we should say too not to, to skip around too much um, the opening of the race was actually pretty exciting i mean there were some pretty good battles yeah. um you know for everyone being on full fuel well, and well hamilton that.
1: started for uh, third and he immediately got around Weber mm-hmm. for second in fact uh, everyone and their mother got around Weber. Yeah, Weber first just lap he ended really up ninth at the end of the ended up
0: one. at the wrong entry point for like Every all, all 27 corners. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and just really kind of lost one spot at a time for, for the thing. And we never really heard if there was a problem or anything because obviously the focus then was on, you know, his car was totally destroyed. But if there was actually something with the car, if it was just kind of never quite had the, the you know, the right position for any of the corners. But, yeah, there was some, some good passing, uh, some, some good moves going on. And then there was this giant crash. And then the safety car um, blew it wide open because then uh, there was small damage on Lewis Hamilton's car. Um, right, because Hamilton... Uh, Hamilton was actually going for the
1: lead. Mm-hmm. I think it was turn two or turn three, uh, of the opening lap. And actually, uh, his front wing got bumped by Vettel's rear tire. Yes. And, uh, that damaged swing.
0: And it was minor, but, you know, so he was still going, but it was going to slow him down. So then that was the, so the safety car was, you know, beautiful for as far as, uh, Hamilton, because then he can pit, get a new wing without losing spots and, uh, and do that. And then the, um, but the safety car coming on the track is it's it's the drama in itself. So uh, it's, it's you know as soon as this, there's this giant crash, uh, they basically say okay safety car's out yellow flags, and as soon as you know as soon as he can get down to the end of the pit lane, I guess you know they they let the safety car out on track. Um, Vettel had already gone by the pit I, the pit exit, and Hamilton was sort of going by just about the same time as a safety car, right. and kind of had this uh, hesitation of like, am I should I already, should I already go? Uh, you know, what should I do I let off and get the guy in front of me or whatever? And ended up kind of you know he. Uh, Hamilton would have been out on track in front of the safety car, you know, no question. If he hadn't backed off, but I think just to sort of as maybe second guessing himself, or I don't know if the team was talking to him on the radio or something, right. just backed off a little bit, and ended up that the safety car crossed the safety car exit line, which officially means he's on track, right. um, just before Hamilton did. So, uh, tech- and then but then Hamilton ended up going around the car. So technically. Um, Hamilton passed the safety car and it was Alonzo who was right behind him who was, you know, truly behind the safety car and, and uh, so, you know, almost put him a, a lap down in a way. I mean, it gave Vettel and and, uh, and Hamilton sort of free pit stops. They can, you know, you know get in the pits, get back out, uh, retain the lead. Everyone else had pitted. They sort of stayed all, all together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Alonzo was arguably the big loser or just kind of unlucky based on where the safety car happened to come out or right. whatever. Uh, so the whole... Uh, you know, Hamilton later got a drive-through penalty for that. Uh, but the Yeah, whole- so
1: let's talk about that a little bit, right? The whole thing happened. Hamilton did technically break the rules. It was a little bit fuzzy on exactly how it went down. But, I mean, when it comes to that circumstance, especially since it's a safety car, if you're unsure, he should have just backed off and stayed backed off. Um, so I understand the penalty. Now, was the penalty – did the penalty justify – the uh, Did the penalty the justify the infringement? That's the question. And there was a lot of debate about that on the speed coverage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just seemed to me like they were overshooting it. He got a drive-through penalty, and he did an excellent job to actually not lose a position. And so I think that penalty was perfectly reasonable. I think, just like you said, had he not hesitated in the first place, he probably would have been ahead of saved safety car, and it wouldn't have been an issue. So... Um, he didn't cause any – he didn't do anything flagrant. Right. I, and I, I don't, think, I don't think there was anything any reason for it to be a more strict penalty to that. And the fact that he minimized the damage to that penalty – it's just really good racing, on his and it's part.
0: it's frustrating if you're behind him. But it's it's what happens. I mean, I really don't think in the you know half a second or whatever the decision was made where you know the safety car is coming out. Oh, am I ahead? Am I behind? Or whatever that he could have so- sort of thought. Okay, hey, I'm in second, and here's the safety car, and Alonso's in third. So if I do this, and I do my pit stop, then I'm going to come out here, and that's going to put him there. I mean, it's not. It's that's not what's going through his mind at that point. I don't I, think so I, at you all. You know, right? I don't think he could have. If he could have planned that all out, then wow, that's that's amazing, and worked out. Okay, I'll get a drive through, but I'll still be able to do that. I mean, it was just kind of a am I. You know, do I do this or not? And he made the call and got the penalty. So I think it was fair. Um, and Alonso was just, you know, fuming mad in his car. There was radio sure. transmit. Oh, he should be penalized. Talk to talk to Charlie Whiting. We got to do all this stuff. Uh, you know, we got to we got to get him, you know, excluded or whatever. And uh, and after the race, you know, these interviews, he was just like, just so mad. Um, and since then, he's actually backed off. He sort of said, yeah, those were emotional comments and whatever. And I mean, Alonso has just not done well here it's the spanish crowd it's obviously you know a huge right, draw for all the spanish right, fans right. and all that and to to end up in i don't, where, I don't know he's like 14th or something i mean he was like way down in the order um wherever alonso ended up oh but, you know, know he, he finished 8th well it finished 8th but i think right after the safety car it was like way back oh, and had to right. you know yeah, sure. it was just all screwed up for him and uh so I mean, it's definitely frustrating, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we agree that uh, the, the penalty, I think, was fair, and, uh, yeah, McLaren did a great job to, you know, say, hey, Lewis, put in some fast laps because we have drive-through, and they, you know, were able to, to make that work.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think uh, nothing will come with it. I don't think anything should come of it, and then there was that whole thing where, like, eight other drivers, their in-lap was just a little bit too slow or something like that, and they ended up getting, what, a five-second...
0: Yeah, too, too fast in, on the in lap. Too uh, fast. On yeah, the in- lap. so they weren't they weren't sort of yielding enough for the the caution of uh, what's going on, which is a little bit weird because it's not. I, I think it's different if there's like if someone out on you know out on the track in a disabled car and they're like you know at or near the racing line, then yeah, you definitely have to go really slow to go around them and make sure that that's all fine. But then you know when both the cars, you know, Mark Weber's car is way off the track uh, and he was out of the car, and then Kovalainen was able to drive his car back. I mean, it, the rear wing was broken, whatever, but the car right. still moved. Right. So. You know, I guess yeah. It's just it's just the rules. It's just a, oh, technically these guys went too fast on their end laps, um, and so what was interesting is you know if those if they had all been given the drive through penalty equivalent, which is usually a twenty second uh, penalty, that would have shuffled around the order quite a bit. Not for Vettel or Hamilton. So thankfully, you know, first and second would have right. been uh, wouldn't have been affected. But Button was on that list. But Button was on the list, and he did get it. And they, but they ended up getting five second penalties, uh, which is in line with. What we've seen this season, with uh, whether it's the, the driver stewards being there or whatever, we've gotten, you know, pretty minimal. Like people have gotten reprimands and fines right. and stuff like that, but not really serious penalties, and they haven't totally shuffled around the, the grid order. And I would say that's the most. I mean, it, it's
1: tough because had that happened, had people gone a little bit slower into the pits, how much would that have actually changed the race? Mm-hmm. I mean, would uh, Alonso have been fourth if everyone gone a little bit slower as they went into the pits? I kind of doubt it. Right and i think I think it's pretty unlikely that any of them went more than five seconds a lap faster than they should have, yeah, so I think it's a very reasonable penalty
0: but it's it's just uh yeah it's just kind of like hey the, and I think on the on some, if not all, the cars there's a, it actually will show the lap time you need to meet on the on the on your steering wheel, and it's like you just need to drive to this lap time because this is the speed we've prescribed for the behind the safety car. So that's just kind of a matter of maybe not paying enough attention to that, or sure maybe sure. trying to gain advantage. But it's not like anyone was passing under there, so I don't I don't right, quite understand exactly. what what, uh, what advantage the bus was to is be all about basically. Yeah, right. But it did at the end. Um, it it pushed uh, De La Rosa out of the points. Um, it did uh, help Alonzo I think it moved him up one spot or something. So I mean, it well, did, yeah, because I think Bohemi was one of the people. Mm-hmm. And he was just behind Buemi. Yeah. And he ended up ahead of him. So, so uh, you know, that's a tiny bit of consolation, I guess, for Alonso. If those had been 20-second penalties, that would have helped him out better. Um, but, and actually, news of those penalties um, was was what livened up near the end of the race. Because I, I feel like after the crash in the safety car, and then once I got the whole safety car thing sorted out, right. then it was, as far, in my mind anyway, more typical Valencia. I mean, there was not many not many right. moves, or, and everyone just kind of doing their thing. Um, but then when it was like, Hey, a lot of these guys might get penalties. Um, then, you know, like button started turning the wick up and, and, you know, getting some, you know, faster laps against Hamilton. Hamilton He turned the the wick up
1: and once he was finally around Kobayashi. Yeah.
0: Once Kobayashi got out of the way, but, uh, you know, so that ended up making the, the last 15 or 10 laps or so uh, a little more interesting because then people are like, Hey, it's not just about where I am right now, but I've got to be, you know far enough ahead of my other guy to uh to be resilient against the penalty so so that was kind of fun so maybe there should be like a mid-race half of half the team half the drivers get penalized (laughs) so let's keep things exciting at the end because that that did help uh help the action well
1: speaking of uh, being excited for all the wrong reasons being a button fan myself and seeing him just slug behind kobayashi for nearly 50 laps was so infuriating He, you know, at the post-race interview, since he was third, he was on the podium. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was uh, tough. You know, there's no passing in Valencia. I'm like, BS. You can get around. I'm sorry. That car was far too slow for you to use that as an excuse. Find a way around him. Because had he found a way around him, he would have been able to go fast enough that when Hamilton got his drive-through penalty, Button would have been ahead of him. Button would have gotten second place instead of Hamilton. And Button would have been you know, closer to the championship. He cost himself.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's, because uh, at, at the time, you know, before they knew about the drive through for Hamilton, he would have thought, well, if I get around, you know, I mean, I'm going to work really hard to get around Kobayashi, maybe risk this or that or whatever, and then end up behind my teammate and then, uh, you know, don't want to battle the teammate too hard and it's so hard to pass and whatever. But what so, if
1: That'll prove to have a problem. It's like that that's happened right. in the past, which, and...
0: which, so I can, I can see the sort of the, the, you know, keep it conservative, keep it safe logic. But at the same time, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, right. and so it's, so it's sort of always good to be there to collect on uh, anyone else's misfortune. So, so yeah, I mean it's a good point. And uh, although I got to say, you know, the the strategy and uh, and and just even the driving from Kobayashi, um, I think was was sort of one of the other stories of the day. Oh
1: uh, yeah, I think he he's worth a mention for sure because he he definitely he got in that third place. He did hold button off. He wasn't he wasn't as quick as Hamilton or Vettel for sure, but he was he wasn't that much slower. Mm-hmm. And then. When he got out
0: in fresh tires he absolutely yeah. maximized so he started on hard tires and went for all but what four laps or something i mean yeah. it was uh, yeah. you know it was nearly just the, the last whole couple race of laps. Uh-huh. and uh, and everyone sort of you know everyone else had pitted and shuffled through and so he moved up to third place and every, and everyone's like oh you know when's he you know he's going to pit in the next few laps and he just didn't pit and didn't pit and just stayed out there right. and uh and you know everyone obviously has to use both tires and they just i think called it right when they said hey we can you know because it's Hard enough to pass, he was able to keep Jensen Button behind him and all that, and uh, do, you know, get that hard tire stuff out of the way. And it was great to see because then, with whatever it was, four or five laps to go. Um, then he's got a light car, very little fuel, and a fresh set of of soft tires, and was able to just go out there and touch some really really good cracking laps, and uh, and even make two passes on the final lap to you know move up two spots over over Fernando Alonso, you know right. not an easy guy to pass, although he was probably too frustrated to know what's going right. on, and uh, and over Buemi, so it was uh, yeah. just you know a, a good sort of invigorating end of the race for uh, for Sauber and for and for Kobayashi. But this does go back to what we were talking about in Canada,
1: which is. When the tires fall off, that's good. That's good for the racing. It makes it more challenging. It should be that way. This kind of showed that they went back to kind of the old formula for Valencia, where those tires, sure, 50 laps, why not? I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't have done the whole race on that set of tires aside from the regulation. Right. They weren't falling apart on them. or anything else. And he started with those cars when it was fully heavy and all that kind of stuff. And so... And, again, that's where a race like Valencia would really liven up, I think, when you have to be a lot more careful to manage tires. Tires aren't going to fall off, especially when the cars are heavy mm-hmm. and early in the race. And so it's a shame to see what works so well in Canada almost inconsequentially. Like, they weren't even planning on doing that. Yeah. But it just works out so well. And it sounded like Bridgestone was saying, yeah, we're going to be more aggressive because of how great that was. And then they weren't.
0: Yeah. And I think what's what's interesting about the the, the tire situation is that – um, I mean, if everyone's tires are exactly the same and all the cars treat them the same, then, you know, no one really has an advantage over another one. But what's interesting is when there are, there's more than one viable way to be fast, you know, whether right. it's, uh, which we used to see with fuel strategy before, was like, oh, is it a two stopper or a three stopper or a one stopper, you know, and, and or uh, a four stopper
1: every uh, once in a while? Yeah, Schumacher you'd, you'd end up with weird things. stuff.
0: And it was, and it was a clear trade off of, you know, yeah, saving weight and fresh tires. And you'd see sometimes, you know, tires without uh, our, you know, t- a stop, uh, you know just a splash of fuel and, and new tires or whatever um, and just some combination of, uh, of different stuff and pits and it was just sort of more there were more viable ways to actually go out and be fast, and then and mm-hmm. we've seen you know since since the beginning yeah. of this year that it's like well pretty much the one stopper you use up the softs and then go to the hards or vice yeah. versa and away you go. So uh, right. that was what was fun about it. it was like you know oh can you hold on and get your tires yeah they'll be really raggedy and it'll be harder to drive but you don't have to do that pit stop and right. you know just that balancing act which then introduces strategy and then that's what made it fun.
1: Now saying that just triggered a memory. I think they said that they want to go back to this more they want to do this more aggressive strategy more often, but. That Valencia and I think even Britain, those tires were already set. Hmm. So maybe it will be. Is it Hungary after that? I think the Hungaro Ring. I think maybe it'll be there that they can first kind of take advantage of this idea of making the tires wear out more quickly. So I will be quick. I will be. I will save them. All. I will not just jump on Bridgestone's throat just yet. Yeah,
0: it's, it's Germany right after that. Right after uh, Britain and Hungary. Okay, Germany. So and then Spa, Monza. Oh, we got some good. Uh, Good yeah. races coming up. Yeah. So we're halfway through the calendar already, which I don't, in, in a way, it's been a lot of races already. But in a way, it's like how it's – I mean, I was surprised to find out it was July today. So I guess I'm not, <laughs> not, I'm not the one to ask about it's these what? things. what? Yeah. But, no, uh,
1: and before we get off it, though, uh, we do have to give one more mention to Williams. I mean, they came up with something because um, they, were, they were well into Q3. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulkenberg ended up uh, – he ended up not finishing the race, and he was pissed about it. Um, but something on his car failed. But Rubens Barrichello not only did he finish fourth, but the entire time, and for a good more than half the race, he was holding off Robert Kubica, who mm-hmm. was breathing down his neck um, for a chunk of the race, and he did not, he did not waver. I think he maybe threw like his like uh, denture cream at, a, <laughs> at Kubica or something to help hold him off. But I mean, just a pretty good drive, and it was cool to see the Williams kind of claw some speed back because that car is so pretty, and yet it It hasn't been good this season
0: yeah so far. and and I don't know what it is. I just you know, I like Rubens, he's like he's always the second place guy or whatever, whether right. it's the Schumacher or to button or whatever, and it's like to see him actually go out and do well and he's got you know just to uh so, and, and and for any of the you know i guess you know obviously Williams is not a new team technically, but you know one of the smaller teams um, in the in the current era to sort of come up and be a viable competitor, and uh you know they're still you know if, to mix with the Renaults or something like that is it's right about the uh the level we'd expect him, so it's it's good it's, to see him, you know, see him up there and just and just reliable car for the race, you right. know, with the 2010 rules. And it's
1: got to be frustrating for Williams too, because 20 years ago they were mm-hmm. a powerhouse, mm-hmm. and 10 years ago they were still a contender. Yep. I mean Juan Montoya was in a Williams, getting poles, getting race wins. Uh, you know, Ralph <laughs> you know, Schumacher. Ralph had, Schumacher yeah. was in it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, it's tough. This. So it's good to see them, you know, at least be a strong mid-pack team. And, you know, I'd love to see them get on the podium a little bit more. And I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but uh, there were some discussion about rule changes that need to happen because of Weber's crash, because of the Covaline Instant, the movable rear wings and the blue flag stuff. Yeah. And, uh, your thoughts on that stuff? Well,
0: so first of all, I-, I ended up watching PBC coverage for this one again. And David Coulthard uh, just in every – you know, as soon as that crash happened, the moment they started talking about it on air and the everyone he interviewed uh, it became like his personal mission was to like inform the world that hey this is gonna get worse like and and his you know logic being um uh, you know they're talking about movable rear wings to aid overtaking so one car can actually be fast you know enough faster than another car to overtake even on circuits like Valencia where it's tough to overtake and uh Coulthard's approach is that that's not the way to do it um uh, because you'll have <laughs> these bigger closing speeds uh which is arguably what caused this crash um with uh you know with obviously with, with weber and kovalainen
1: but let me stop you right there because that that point is very frustrating on all its own has david coulthard ever seen an endurance race <laughs> how about the 24 hours of the mall what about a closing speed between a prototype car and a gt car you know an audi an audi r15 versus a 911
0: yeah and they actually i think talked about that a little bit and they're saying you know first of all, you know, that the race is set up differently so the guys are expecting that and the cars have headlights so they can be noticed and there's stuff like that. Oh
1: headlights, that's the oh, all right. Good I, point, D C. So,
0: yeah. I mean that'd be They've got headlights on their cars. <laughs> take it, yeah, to mean what you will, but I mean so with with you know I think the point being, you know, with F one, with the margins being what they are, um, even, you know, at a higher level than uh, than you know, the Lamar prototype cars and all that um, for me, that's weak. For better or worse, that that was his point. It's, I, I'm, I'm what not, if,
1: okay, so this is the argument I had with you over dinner. What if someone has a piss poor exit on the previous corner? I mean, that and, could, his, and his yeah. speed's way lower.
0: What if that were you know a vet, you know Vettel who just happened to you know get the corner wrong and he right. was and he was just going slowly? It would be the same situation or as what the if, slow Or
1: What if a top team was having a brake issue and mm-hmm. had
0: a break way earlier? And just realized that. Michael Schumacher forgot where he was and just <laughs> slowed what? down at the wrong place. It could happen. Uh so yeah, I, I think the Michael the, Schumacher's pulling out his paper map. But <laughs> <laughs> just unfolding it. But uh, the, the argument is valid as far as how do you I mean, it's sort of a how do you overtake or how do you how do you allow overtaking on these circuits um if you don't have a difference in speed. I mean, that's what you need to be able to make a pass. Right. Um otherwise, you know, I don't think anyone wants a situation where, like the the front car, it's like, oh, if you're being gained down, then your car loses 50 horsepower, so the guy around you can get around. I mean, that, oh, you God, know, like, no, yeah. So, and there's there's been some other things talked about, and uh, you know, one is uh, like a, a, a digital slipstream, and actually, uh, you know, the digital slipstream, yeah, we're using because you know all the cars have high high accuracy GPS, they know where they are, and they know the lap times and all that, you know, the, the FI computers or whatever. So, um, you know, the the argument being instead of um, You know, taking away anything from from any car, but just basically um, having the adjustable rear wing to just, you know, give you back the downforce you lose by being behind the car in front of you um, just to, uh, you know, help you get more through the corner better. So it wouldn't be necessarily like flattening the wings out on the straight, but when you're right behind this car, uh, you know, you're right behind the car, the arrow's getting all messed up, um, you know, it gives you more wing temporarily, you know, because you've... So something... Not in the driver's control, right. adjust the wing to basically make it, based on
1: position with another car.
0: Yes, based on yeah, hey, hey, you're you're this far behind the car in front of you. Is this something like
1: Charlie Whiting would be doing, like overlording over the wings on various cars, or would this be I, automatic? It, it
0: would it would have to be an automatic system, uh, and 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 work the same way. But basically, that way. Um, it wouldn't be the case where now you know you've got a car you've got I, that sounds so ridiculous a button coming up behind a Kobayashi or whatever and it's like he would have the pace except for every time he gets behind the car just close enough to pass he loses his arrow and he can't break his. But by all the time,
1: that. but by the time you feel
0: that, I don't know. I just so anyway. It, there's there's yeah. I mean. You've got to be able to pass, though. There has to be a difference in speed, and I guess the question is how to either manage that safely, whether that's more of a political thing. I mean, in this, in, in this case, too, it wasn't for position, so it was this was you know a, a backmarker case. And I, I think also that the issue got a little bit confused in, in, uh, in that case because it said, oh, we well, need this 107% rule. But it's like, well, Lotus was within the 107%. Yeah. It's and, not like yeah. this car it's, was way, way of I just think it's whining.
1: I think it's absolute whining. And if, if you go back to the history of Formula One, the gaps – I mean, except for maybe a year here or there, the gaps have never been tighter. Even with these new teams, they're actually doing pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. I think the most interesting idea I had was give up the whole concept of a blue flag and um, the fact that if you're a lap car, you have to get by and say, screw it, you're racing, period. And the lap car doesn't have to give, and he can race at any point in time.
0: Yeah, and actually Tony Fernandez at Lotus uh, has made that argument and says, hey, these are the best drivers in the world and the best cars in the world, like – if I'm, you know, Lewis Hamilton making my way through the field, I ought to be able to get around a slower car. If he's that much slower, then I ought to be able to pass him. Right. Um, but I, I can just, you know, so many times if you've got a, a really good, you know, battle for the lead and they're making their way through traffic and some slower car ends up affecting that a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's racing and, yeah, you know, that's, it's up to the drivers to, to manage that and get their, get their cars around the other guys. But, uh Man, it would be really a shame if, uh, you know, then some backmarker gets some idea about, oh, I mean, I don't have to give way. I'm just going to make my way through this corner, and they end up taking each other out. And it's, you know, affecting the outcome of the race in such a huge way for something that, you know, isn't for position. So I, I'm not sure I agree with you I think, on that.
1: Well, I think there's a difference. There, there doesn't have to be black and white like that. I think you can have, I would say, if you're a lapped car, much more strict rules on passing. For example, you have one move to defend. If you're a um, if you're racing each other, but you can't do anything more than that. Well, if you're a lapped car, you can't defend at all.
0: You you don't have any moves, but you don't have to give way. Well, even that one move is sort of. Controversial sometimes it's like Oh I was just That was my driving line Was moving this way Oh but like you did it earlier or late when Hamilton snaked back Yeah I mean it's like face. Well that was So that was my One was my move And then that was my Regular driving line I mean no. and so even that It's like oh I didn't make a move I was just doing my line But even by virtue of Taking the driving line You're blocking the other guy Because he's trying to be On the racing line as well
1: I will say If it were between Giving up the removable rear wing And you know, not doing the blue flags, I would definitely take not doing the blue flags. Hmm. I think giving up the rear wing is, is a, it, for this reason, is stupid.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing we have to, to remember, too, is uh, the reintroduction of KERS next year and something that, well, a couple of things, actually, you and I have talked about uh, previously. So one is with a more, a, a bigger boost of power from KERS. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yes, there's going to be a difference in closing speed, but I think at the driver's control, like, you know, if, if I've got a KERS button, I know exactly when that well, closing speed difference what, is going to you know, happen.
1: I, BMW Sauber F1 game on my iPhone, iPhone app. app. Curse, Curse is, is rid- ridiculous. It's got like 300 horsepower. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. And it goes for half the lap. Yeah. And you get more
0: cornering speed. It's it's really wonderful. It's really so if they we get, should do that. They should yes but with Curs i think it's it's you're a little more under control and it's something that we talked about where Curs was like just enough for the mclarens to be, you know keep from getting passed and so the idea of curbs ended up yeah. sort of backfiring in a way just because it made you know some cars harder to pass but i think if more teams have Kurs, if it's allowed to make more power um, then that obviously that helps the actual efficiency of the, of the system overall, but also yeah. uh, I think you know may help passing. And then also the tire differential that we've been talking about for ages. Oh, you know, that, which,
1: that alone could do almost everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, th- that's what frustrates me more than anything else. Uh, but I'll tell you about the curves that, that I read recently is that what they're going to do is they're not actually going to allow more power or for more time or anything like that. But what they're going to do is increase the minimum weight of oh, the car yeah. so that the curves is no longer a weight penalty and um that will that will uh take away because before there take was away a the disadvantage it, yeah. yeah there was a disadvantage occurs and an advantage of occurs but if you increase the minimum weight the disadvantage kind of goes away and so it's just an advantage but then again um then, it, you know, everyone can use curs. There's going to be an optimal place to use curs. Most people use it at the optimal place. And up. then it's just, just all the, the cars are slightly faster. They just have to press a button to get there. So it's, it's I mean, obviously it won't be just that every time, but it is a um, it is a little less than sweet because, um, because you're limited at such a low rate. Everyone will be able to achieve that. But like we've talked about, what would be much better is if there were a lot more, if this were like... The, uh, the new frontier in terms of engineering development is how much can you get out of your KERS. Yeah,
0: and if, if you find a way to make more power for longer, then you should be able to do that and win races, and other people will try to follow, and then everybody wins. Then. Or how cool would this be? What if – because this is back in the old days with qualifying engines. What if KERS was
1: KERS during the race, but during qualifying, you could ramp that wick up as much as you wanted. Yeah. Make KERS scream. That would be cool
0: that would be great i mean i yeah we've we've had uh, i mean i think you know the idea of giving as far as the efficiency side of things give everyone the same amount of fuel and however you want to race your race yeah, if you it. can be faster than anyone else then it's like we've decided to use our fuel
1: to set every other car on fire and we're gonna <laughs> pedal okay maybe as some
0: form of propulsion but yeah so if somebody <laughs> wants to do a KERS hybrid thing and store energy if somebody wants to do they say oh we think a turbo four-cylinder oh we think a 12 whatever i think i just think that'd be great but I don't make these rules, and that's that's okay.
1: Neither do I. Listener feedback. Let's do it.
0: Yes, now that you know what we think about everything, let's hear what our fans had to say. It was just about everything this time, wasn't it? We – but hey, man. When we, we, we did the show late, uh, based on listener feedback, actually, I want to, I, I, I do want to mention that. So that was actually, that was your idea, Robin, but, um, it was, so you were going to be gone over the weekend and we couldn't do the We couldn't actually, you know, watch the race and do everything yes. on Sunday. So we, I was we, at asked, a we asked you, we asked the fans and said, Hey, would you rather, you know, we can do a quick show with one of us or wait until, uh, until later. And here we are. And, and, and everyone who responded, everyone. um, was, uh, just said, Oh yeah, do it later. It's great. So, uh. Yeah, and
1: if you didn't get that message, if you're
0: saying to yourself, I never heard any f One Show never asked me, me what's that?
1: We didn't send a letter to everybody. No, we asked on Facebook and Twitter. So if you want to be a part of this whole conversation, a part of the group, a part of all the friendship, I would say, you know, I mean, these guys like us. That's what it says right on Facebook. It says right there. So um, just go to the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash the F1 show, or is it F1 show? Doesn't matter. One of the two.
0: F1 show. F1 show. Or you go to the Twitter thing. And... Or just go to F1show.com. Yes. There's links to everything Even there. better. Do that. And you can reply to our post right there. Moving on. We yes. had tons
1: and tons and tons of comments. We had a bunch of comments right on the F1show.com page, which is really the place to go, as Jim said, because everything's right there, because we're super sweet. Um, just I'm going to bust through these real quick, go through a couple of them. Kyle Hilton said, great show, big fan of the show. Appreciate that. Um, he went on to say some other things, uh, but we just do not have time. But thank you for the comments. Uh, Ranson F one said, hey, guys, another great show, mostly due to the fact that you read my comment. Now, this is the guy that was talking about Liuzzi and how sweet he was. And um, he said, just to clarify my comment on the last show, I meant Liuzzi regularly, regularly beats other F1 drivers in karting. I was commenting from the waiting room of the OBGYN, which is not a comfortable place
0: for a guy to be hanging out alone.
1: (laughs) No, I am not a freak. I was waiting for my wife. That was a
0: lot of information for an F1 Show commenter.
1: But Ranson, we appreciate it. We appreciate the openness and the honesty. And we do hope your wife is doing fine. Um, Also, thanks to Cam McGrath, who also said the show was great. Barry said, yet another great show, guys, with 15,000 exclamation points afterwards and a happy face emoticon. Wow. And um, he
0: also wanted... And internet currency, we're millionaires. I know.
1: <laughs> he, he also wanted to clarify his comment. In my last comment, I didn't mean Weber would end up in the Wall of Champions along with Vettel. I meant Vettel would end up in Weber again, which sounds kind of sexual. Um, <laughs> uh, we also want to thank John Stegman, who also said, another great podcast as usual. And uh, Matt Pattison who said, I got to this podcast late this time, but definitely a good one. Being from England and a longtime Jensen Button fan, um, I am almost very happy with the current state of affairs. I have my tickets for Silverstone this year. And uh, he goes on to talk about more things. So, again, thank you for all those guys.
0: Yes, and on Twitter, actually, uh, Sean posted a link to a, an article from w, uh, WTF1, a, uh, a blog but uh, apparently, Good name. Jensen Button had a clause in his contract with Braun GP that if he wins, if you know, if I should win the championship while I work for your team, I get the car or you know one of the cars I used while during you know during the season. And which I'm sure when he signed that agreement, when it was you know back at you know when it was at Honda and they said, hey, you're making all this money, but we're going to be our own thing. We're going to be Braun. You're not going to make as much money, but hey, we'll we'll give you the car if you win, right? They never thought he would win the championship. Sure, he won the championship, and then they're yes, like, oh, we have to give you a car, don't we? And uh, so apparently there was a lawsuit and all that, which I didn't really hear about, but that has been settled. Uh, they have apparently uh, sent a BGP 001 to uh, Jensen, and he will get his Braun GP car. But how cool is that? I mean, cool. so what's he going to do with it? I don't know, but he's got it now. I would totally drive it. Like I would
1: drive it to Plum Market or you know whatever grocery store. I would just be like, um, I don't know where to put the groceries in my championship winning F one car.
0: So should I take the, the BMW oh, I'll take the braun today <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take that one so anyway, thanks for the uh, thanks for the link there um, also uh, uh jeff nordberg um, sending uh, you know just comments on the uh clearly we need to make some manufactured drama to make the uh, the Valencia circuit interested well uh, to make the Valencia circuit interesting and uh well you know we had uh we had a you know pretty uh you know whether it was manufactured or not plenty yeah, of drama I, manufacturing and, uh, you
1: know, i don't think it was i don't think it was done on purpose. Uh, it wasn't like, uh, NASCAR's, uh, debris flag to tighten up the field necessarily, but I do think it wasn't genuine racing that caused the excitement. It was things other than racing, but there right. was some stuff. And
0: it wasn't like, you know, rules that said they had to take a certain number of pit stops to make it work. It was like, it just kind of, you know, whatever right. it was, it was right. Anyway,
1: I guess you could make the argument that the safety car didn't necessarily have to come out when it did. You could maybe go for that argument. But, uh, aside from that, I think that's a stretch.
0: Yeah, and what we've seen so far this year is some of the races will be more exciting than others, but, you know, things have been interesting partly from weather, from safety cars, just, you know, it, it, it all kind of works out. And I think, right, you know, right. there's, I don't think it's, it's not like after Bahrain where it's like, this is a travesty, we need to fix this. It's just kind of like, yeah, right. some, some will be more exciting. Right. Stuff will be interesting. And, you know, we haven't seen some weather in a while. And I yeah. don't know, maybe England or whatever. Canada
1: Who, was awesome, but a lot of that was with the issue with tires. I mean, that wasn't planned. Let's mm-hmm. not forget. So, yeah. um, you know you're you're absolutely right.
0: Yes, so uh I want to thank a couple of specific people on Facebook. We've got the the usual crowd uh, doing doing great as far as feedback and doing uh, posting fantastic. lots of videos, actually. So that we spent a little bit of time tonight just kind of watching through other videos people had posted and some uh, McLaren videos and stuff on there. Just really cool stuff. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, Jaffa Graves actually had a comment. He said, I hate Ferrari. Do they want the stewards to dictate the position and pace of the cars? I'm not understanding what isn't fair about the drive through for Hamilton. Uh, you can't help circumstance the situation. Eh, they cry like soccer players. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, we talked about that before. Basically, yeah, it's uh, – and and – I, I think the, the point that's worth remembering. It's easy to think, you know, if you're one of the backmarkers, oh, let's change the rules so that we, you know we can be up with the rest of the field. But you know, when then when you're on top, then you know you don't want to you don't want the backmarkers to be able to change the rules just so they can get up. It's right, like right. this is how it is, and uh, and yeah. So sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. And I'm sure all the times that Michael Schumacher got lucky at Ferrari and all the you know points and stuff Ferrari made and. and uh you know, they've had some some interesting timing with pit stops and different oh, yeah. things. Oh yeah. Uh, that, you know, it all it all comes around. And and if it gone the other way
1: and Monza was in the uh, and Alonzo was in that position, he would have done the exact same thing that McLaren and Hamilton done. The exact same thing. Yeah. So there's just no yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He got a penalty, he served it, that's done. Um I also I, the video specifically I also want to give a special shout out to Paul Peard who gave us a YouTube video reminding everybody that it was, in fact, Mark Weber that had the infamous 1999 Le Mans flip mm-hmm. in the Mercedes Le Mans car, which um, visually was much more stunning than the one he just had here. Um, because uh, that
0: wasn't a flip. That was like a bunch of flips. And, yeah, like the that, car was took sep- flight,
1: that was 100 feet in the air. It went totally wrong, into totally a forest. Yeah. No one hit anybody. Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, uh, good for that. Appreciate that. And also, again, to... Uh, all all the usual guys daniel Jewell, james Payne, uh, peter oliver uh and several several others i'm sorry dave stevens that's like Y'all that's Braves. like our crew, cam I mean, mcgrath
0: they're like they're like our little feedback crew man they just they keep the facebook page active uh you know sending tweets at us and all that it's uh, it's good stuff so you know thanks again for everyone and if you are not part of that crew and you want to be visit f1show.com write us some comments uh You can find us on whatever networks, and uh, that's great. And just I want to point out, Jim thinks you're little. I think you're a good size.
1: Trivia. 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 (laughs) Trivia. Magic. Okay, last time we had a reasonably good question. It was a double empendre. Not really. I just said the same thing twice. The question was, when is the last time that two drivers won back-to-back, back-to-back? Get it? Do you understand it? Do One driver wins back-to-back, and then another driver wins back-to-back. One right after the other. Back-to-back, you could say. Exactly. Anyway, the answer is, and we did get a couple of uh, correct guesses on this, and I think we actually got one or two wrong guesses, too. Um, The answer was, uh, in 2007, Lewis Hamilton won Canada and then the United States, which Jim and I saw. And then uh, Kimi Raikkonen immediately followed by winning France and Britain.
0: Remember the French Grand Prix? Been off the uh, off the calendar for a couple of years now. Oh, Manicore yeah. was always after the U.S. and yeah. stuff. It was yeah. like back yeah. to uh, back to Europe after the North American tour. Yep. good trash, some, track some too. good stuff yeah. there. Yeah, hmm. but we go to Valencia now. That's that's good. that's exciting too.
1: Um, but we are moving on. So uh, with Mark Weber's crash, um, safety kind of came to mind for this question, and uh, I kind of went old school on this a little bit. Okay, and this one's going to be interesting. Uh, to hear different points, I'm actually going to be very interested to hear from some of our older listeners for this one. The question is, what was the first year that Formula One drivers were required to wear fireproof safety suits?
0: Hmm. Just one of those things we take for granted now. But, uh, yeah. you know, the old footage, especially the guys in the pit lane, you know, like not even the drivers, but like the guys in the pit lane changing tires and stuff. They had like shorts and T-shirts. Oh, yeah. oh and yeah. There's cars whizzing by like without pit lane pit lane speed limits even. Right. was like. What do you mean speed limit? Is right. That, yeah.
1: Oh, and I mean the drivers were wearing, you know, uh, you know, you know, oil-dipped cotton, and they had a pack of matches and their cigarettes in one of their pockets as they were dra- doing the race. I mean, it was just crazy. I think back that's in the day. what happened. Yeah.
0: Pretty sure. Okay. So the first year they were required to actually wear flame, uh, what, fireproof safety suits. Correct. Okay. That's a one-parter. Just one simple answer. There you go.
1: Yeah, you know, we're kind of running out of time, so I think we don't really need to do predictions this time around. Yeah, uh, we'll you just would get say to... that. So anyway, I'm Robin no, Warner. You no, know, hold on. Uh, wait, what? Hey. No, wait, Jim, Let's let going Let's,
0: on. Uh, let's just, just take a minute and let's just see what the predictions were and how close everyone was. Oh, fine. I mean, I think it'd be best if we just moved on. So the stat model... The stat model. All it does um, is says whoever was on pole last yeah, time has got yeah. to pole this time. And, and, and so since because thing.
1: Hamilton was on pole and won the race in Canada, it mm-hmm. predicted Hamilton to be on pole and win the race in, here in the European Grand Prix in Valencia. And it was wrong. Uh, Hamilton was third and then second. So the stat model got three points. Uh, can we move on? Can we? No. We and uh, and what, who did you have? Uh, who did you predict? Well, um, I, I mean, okay. All right. If you, you want to spend the time. Uh, I had Alonzo on pole oh, oh, hmm. and uh and Alonso to win the race. Yeah. I didn't realize he was gonna have a poopy in his pants mm. and uh end up fourth and, and eight. Alonso
0: was a cranky face.
1: Yeah, a little bit. So, so I, I got ten points. Not not a not a great finish, not bad, but Yeah, uh, no
0: out of interest, just real quick, I mean I know we gotta go, but um, it's, it's what, really getting late. What Jimmy. was my what was my prediction from last time? Um you know what? I completely forgot to write it down. Oh no I've got it here. Oh Vettel Vettel. <laughs> That's right. Zero points. Finally, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, I made a correct prediction. Uh, Um, We're obviously. All right.
1: All right. All right. I give up. Yes. Jim,
0: you you nailed it. We're obviously. Zero points. Generally not good at predicting. And yet, here I am. (laughs) And I. Yeah, I got one uh, spot on. So Vettel for pole, Vettel for the win, and thank you very much.
1: And we will also share that our fan prediction, Mister Peter Oliver, uh, shared your opinion, and he also had Vettel on pole and Vettel to win the race. Although he did predict after Friday practice, so he had a little bit of an edge on you. Mm. Um, so, but he also
0: correctly predicted. He also got zero points. I made this prediction the day I was born. <laughs> I said, someday soon, a kid named Sebastian Vettel will be born, and then he will become an F1 driver. And one day, he whatever. Anyway, so yeah, that's exciting. You owe me like 15 Cokes now or something.
1: No, I owe you 10 Cokes. Don't don't oversell it. That's a lot of Cokes. All right, at this point, then I am going to be obligated to tell you that I have won seven of these compared to your two. I have 57 points compared to your 105. (laughs)
0: Seriously? 105? Oh, okay. So,
1: all right, don't oversell it. buster fair enough all right let's move on so next time next time let's 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 see let's see how this goes okay so first of all the statistical model is going to say that vettel vettel is going to do it again right stupid statistical model so stupid how about you big guy tough guy chief champ boss what are you gonna do hoss
0: i think mclaren's gonna be back at it Okay,
1: and I think McLaren has two drivers, so I can't do. just put McLaren here.
0: Well, I could. That would be that would be <laughs> a good way to. I think a car with four wheels is going to win. No, um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with my boy Hamilton. I think he's going to edge out your boy. I think he's going to. I think they're going to continue the good pace, and, and he's, he's going to double it. Up. They're going to they're going to edge out the uh, the Red Bulls, I think, and your your boy Button because he can't even pass us out. <sighs> yeah,
1: double Hamilton all the way. Hamilton all the way. Well, this is all right. This is a brand new track.
0: Well, sorry. effectively,
1: because it's got a new section to it. It's been redone. Everything else, um, and uh, it being a new track, I think Michael Schumacher is going to be really strong. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> you know, it'd be great if Michael Schumacher gets pulled.
1: I am going to disagree with you. Double over. I am going to say that it is in fact still going to be Red Bull on top.
0: You think it's Weber, though?
1: And I think it's Weber. Um, you think
0: he's gonna be back to hundred percent? I think seven percent. I don't think he
1: ever lost hundred percent here. I think he just more than anything got upset and I think he's gonna have a point to prove and I'd have think... bad
0: dreams about the rear end of Hecova line. <laughs> I usually have very good dreams about the rear end of Hecikova. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. And the show's I've gone I've got downhill Weber, yet again. Weber.
1: That is who I'm predicting. Okay. And that is going to be, what, nine short, eight short days from now we get to start watching. And I'm so excited. It's Britain. It's Silverstone. It's fish and chips. I haven't had that meal in a year. Fish and chips. And I'm going to eat so chips. much fish. And I'm going to eat so much chips. And we're going to put uh, vinegar on it. But I'm
0: going to dump that stuff in tartar sauce. Oh. <laughs> Clearly, we're excited about F one in the, the traditional sense. But other than that, of fish and chips. other than that, I mean, no, am back Britain, on the diet. Britain's one two in the championship still. I mean, it's, it's, it's there's a lot going for England right now. And Britain uh, constructors are way up oh, there. Yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. So. We'll see you guys uh, sooner than usual because we're recording this late. So we'll uh, that one ought to be on time. And thanks for being patient, by the way. Yes, appreciate we, it. we appreciate that. And uh, again, if you want to make your own predictions and any other ways we've talked about to contact us, let us know what you think. And uh, maybe you, we will read your predictions on the show and make fun of you if they're terrible or uh, praise you if you get it right. We'd never do that. We would never do that.
1: I'm Robin Warren, and I'm Jim Lau. <laughs>